SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Live from Las Vegas, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers. I like the Denver Broncos this year. I like them a lot. But I cannot bet their season win total over right now, given the question marks about whether Aaron Rodgers is going to end up in Denver. I don't think he will. My personal opinion is that Aaron Rodgers does not end up on a team that already has Drew Block and Teddy Bridgewater for this season. But that Denver season win total, sitting at 8.5 right now, just looking at DraftKings, uh, numbers eight and a half, and that's not just drafting this across the board. There are even some nines out there with Denver. That's a line that has Aaron Rodgers already factored in. Now it'll go higher if Rodgers ends up in Denver, but if he doesn't, I expect this line to go lower. So I'm going to take my chances with the Denver Broncos and waiting on Denver. I'm going to talk about them. In just a minute. First, I want to let you know what's going on on Cover It with Teddy Covers today. A loaded show for you. Hour number one, Jay Money going to join me. We're going to have an extended NBA discussion. This is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> the second round of the playoffs is going to be a ton of fun. We're going to break down the three series we have to talk about right now. Talk about the other remaining teams. We'll even take a look about some of the teams that got eliminated this past week. And talk about what their future holds. So expect extended NBA discussion with Jay Money. Hour number two, I'm bringing in Dave Koken. And if you don't know who Dave Koken is, you haven't been betting on sports. This guy's been around for 40-something years. He was already, well, I moved to Vegas in 98. And Dave Koken was already a legend <laughs> when I got to this town. He's been here since, I think, 79 or 80. I mean, real early Dave came. And he's been winning on sports ever since. The guy's having a monster year in MLB. I'm excited to talk baseball with Dave Koken in our number two. But before we do any of that stuff, we got to talk about the Denver Broncos. All right. And let's start with this. Okay, again, the line is a 500 team. It's a 17-game season. They're lined at eight and a half wins. There is juice to the over. Uh, But if they live up to market expectations, they're going to finish nine and eight or eight and nine. And I understand this is a team that wasn't very good last year. Wasn't very good the year before. (laughs) You know, we have a new GM in George Patton. Thanks, John Elway. Bye-bye. Elway, he was an okay quarterback. I guess he was a pretty good quarterback. Didn't win any Super Bowls until Terrell Davis won them for him. Uh, And that Denver defense. But uh, as a GM, Elway made moves enough to keep Denver competitive at times. Last year's, I didn't like a whole lot of what he did. All that said, this is a Denver team. Again, Vic Fangio as the head coach. And Fangio hasn't done anything as a head coach. We know that. But when you talk about defensive minds, Vic Stanford was a sad sack of a college football program. And then Jim Harbaugh came in and ran the offense. Vic Fangio came in and ran the defense. And all of a sudden, ever since, Stanford's been a team that's contending for Pac-12 titles year in, year out. Fangio went with Harbaugh to San Francisco. What happened? Niners developed an incredible defense, 
and oh, they went to a Super Bowl. A couple of Super Bowls. <laughs> uh, the one recent Super Bowl under Fangio. So, clearly, it's a guy that knows defense. Last year, they didn't have Von Miller. He got hurt early. Bradley Chubb was hurt. You know, um, you look at some of the offseason moves they've made. You bring in cornerbacks, Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby. Yeah, both questions, but both veteran free agents. You bring back Justin Simmons on a mega deal. You bring back Kareem Jackson on a deal. You pick up Pat Sertain with your first-round pick. And you get Miller and Chubb back. All of a sudden, a defense that was dicey at best last year. And it wasn't Fangio's fault. You're dealing with a situation (laughs) where basically you have no offseason. You're bringing in a bunch of new guys. Didn't pan out. And they had a ton of injuries. That was then. This is now. Regular offseason, underrated coach who we like. Okay, defense that we genuinely like in Denver and a defense of mind that we genuinely like uh, for this team. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's made lemonade with the lemons that he's had. And again, they went 5-11 and last year. It's not like the markets are looking at Denver and going, yeah, this team's primed to make a playoff push. But if they get Aaron Rodgers, they will. If they don't get Aaron Rodgers, this season win total is going to go back down. I don't think it lasts eight and a half. It'll go down to eight. Maybe we even see a seven and a half. We'll see a whole bunch of money, whether the Packers decide we're going to keep Rodgers or not. (laughs) We're going to see a whole bunch of money move when that decision gets made. And Denver, not a favorite to get Rodgers. I'm willing to wait on this team. And let's not forget about the division. I do like the Chargers. Don't like the Raiders. They don't like their offseason one bit. Uh, we're now, you know, how many years in the Gruden Mayock era? And they continue as an organization to make the same mistakes. I don't look at Las Vegas to be a legit contender in the AFC West this year. So I like the Chargers, but I don't like the Raiders. The Chiefs are, of course, a 900 pound gorilla. <laughs> we talk about the AFC West. Super Bowl losers don't tend to have the same kind of seasons. And for all the success Mahomes has had with his skills and talent, skills and depth isn't something that KC has in spades this year. Don't be shocked if Denver makes a move up. I like this Broncos team. I'm going to wait. But at some point, between now and September, we're betting the Broncos over their season win total. We come back. Jay Money is Money. Talking NBA playoffs. Stay tuned. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is my kind of town. This is my kind of place. I Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM. Channel 204, the Sports Grid, our radio network. And I love my next guest. I mean, I like him, but I love having him on. I really do. Jay Lackey, a.k.a. Jay Money, at Jay Money is Money on Twitter. NBA expert extraordinaire. Jay, welcome back to Covered. How you doing today? What's up, Teddy? Come on, man. You know you love me. There's no problem with you letting me know that you love me, my guy. But yeah, I love <laughs> you as well. Like you as well. You're here to talk to me today with you. I could do this all day long, my guy. Ready whenever you are. Sure, sure, sure. But, okay, let's make this very clear. 
Okay, yeah, there's love for Jay Money. But I like you, my friend. It's a, I love talking NBA with you, though. That's always a good time. And I want to start, okay, and really what, we, what we're going to do, we're going to break down Bucks Nets. We're going to break down Hawks Sixers. We're going to break down Nuggets Suns. We're not going to break down the fourth series because we're recording before game six of Cliff Mass. So we don't know exactly what that next series is going to look like. All that being said, we're going to take our time. We're going to talk about the sides in these series, talk about the totals, talk about the series price, talk about the player props we're looking for. So without any further ado, let's just start, my friend. And uh, the first series to tip off in round two is going to be the Bucks and the Nets. Saturday night in Brooklyn, we're seeing for game one, the Nets three and a half point four point favorites total in the 239 and a half range for the series price for the Bucks and the Nets. We're seeing Brooklyn about a two to one favorite, a little bit less than that in some locations, minus 190. Other spots, you got to lay 220 uh, with the Nets. So as always, the number one piece of advice I'm going to give any sports better is shop around for the best number. <laughs> have accounts at as many books as you can. If you have 500 bucks to bet, put 100 bucks into five different accounts if you can. Because again, why would you lay minus 220 with the Brooklyn Nets if you could lay minus 190 at the same time, just at a different book? So, Bucks Nets. Game one, full series. Where do you want to start, Jay? Uh, I'll, I'll hand the mic to you, my friend. Well, first off, I think that was some really good advice about finding the best number. Obviously, I mean, if we're going to bet, you want to get the best return um, on your money, on your investment. Um, so, like you say, why would you lay minus 220 when you get minus 190? It's just a solid 30 cents better right there um, that's going to be a return on your investment it's all about getting the best price and this is going to be a really good one the way i'm looking at it is almost offense versus defense obviously the nets have one of the best offenses in the nba this year and the bucks have well they've had the past three years now one of the best defenses um this i do would give the bucks the edge though um teddy and it's just in the series just for the simple fact they have more continuity they do play the better defense here uh, they did lose a player in Dante DiVincenzo. We're not we're not really sure how that's going to translate yet. We do know Brian Forbes has played really well, but just be interesting to me for me to see if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden can really put it together and decide to play some defense versus this very, uh, very good, well-rounded Bucks team, Teddy. And you bring up that DiVincenzo injury, and I want to talk about that for a minute because that's something no one's paid any attention to. It you know, oh, the Bucks lost a starter, oh, no big deal. You know, DiVincenzo's not one of their main guys, but. He affects how Milwaukee plays on the perimeter. He is a good defender. Bryn Forbes is not the same defender as DiVincenzo. So in my mind, at least in theory, when you replace DiVincenzo with Forbes for most of those minutes, that makes Milwaukee more of an over team than they would have been. Maybe not by much. Maybe you're talking about two points higher, three points higher, four points higher. I wouldn't make a huge adjustment. Uh, off of that particular defensive mix. But Forbes is a guy who can hit the three-point shot. He's not nearly as much of a creator uh, as DiVincenzo. He's not going to take the ball into the paint uh, and help his teammates out. But he is someone who can stand in the perimeter and jack up threes. But he's not the same defender. So do you agree that perhaps that sets up for a higher scoring series? I'm really tempted by game one over. I'm not going to lie to you. I think this is going to be 
Uh, you know, the loser in every game in this series could approach 120 points, and it wouldn't shock me at all. I worry a little bit about the rust factor. If you look at the both series, their last game, uh, both teams in their last series, game one stayed under, and then, boom, the offense started clicking for all three of them. So uh, for both of the squads, both the Bucks and the Nets, after game one, we saw some really impressive offensive numbers. So I'm tempted by the game one over, and I think the Forbes for DiVincenzo switch, Jay, is one that will help over betters, not hurt them. Any opinion there? Well, it be it will be interesting to see. I, I must say, I am on the other side of you. You did mention the game one. Usually, um, well, I know in the Nets versus Celtics, that game one didn't even make it two hundred points. Um, it looked yep. like a '90s basketball type of game. So sometimes you do get that filling out type of process. This is a pretty high total sitting at two forty, two thirty nine and a half, especially for a playoff game as well. And like you say, the Bucks could come out with some rust after not playing by, for almost a week. I could see them trying to fill out each other. I do think that the Bucks. You, you you would want to try and slow down the Nets by not wanting to run and gun with them. We know there's not a lot of teams that can beat the Nets and running and gun with them. And another thing, the uh, game four versus Miami, they actually started Pat Cunnington instead of Brian, uh, Brian yeah. Ford. So just be interested to see what happens with how they mess with the lineups. I am one to think, to be honest with you, it's probably going out on a limb. But I think that Giannis might want to play at the center position in this particular series. Not saying that they can't use Brook Lopez, but maybe they should just try to go with some small ball and they can get away with using Giannis at the, um, at the five. But just be interested to see what happens with uh, Cunnington or Forbes. And another thing with Forbes, and he's not that ball distributor. He's pretty much out there just to shoot three-pointers. Um, not terrible on defense, but definitely not as good as DiVincenzo. But like you say, DiVincenzo was like another point guard for them, whereas Forbes doesn't really handle the ball like that. So I think it's, it's taking away another ball handler. And to be honest, I do think it will translate to the unders. The Bucks are one of the best defensive teams. You have to let your defense show, especially up against this offensive team versus Nets. So I guess what we're saying is the over would correlate with the Nets and the under would correlate with the Bucks. What do you think about that, Tim? I'm not convinced that's the case. And I, I don't. I, I, I'm not saying that it, it's just hopeless. <laughs> no, it's the opposite of that or anything. But I'm not convinced that the core, that there's a strong correlation between side and total because Milwaukee's comfortable playing at a fast pace. And, in fact, when these two teams played, you know, they played back-to-backs. Uh, what the, That had to be, what, the end of March or so uh, that they played those two back-to-backs. And both those games, you know, high-scoring affairs where Milwaukee was able to win and cover um, although, again, you know, the, in my mind, any regular season stats from the Nets, you got to put with a big grain of salt. Any regular season performances from the Nets, you have to take with a grain of salt because Brooklyn's a different team now than they were when they faced the Bucks six weeks ago. Um, so I, I'm not sold on there being a strong correlation between side and total in this series. I will say this. If Giannis plays the five, if Giannis is a low post, that means both teams are playing small ball, and this series is going to be at a very, very fast pace. Now, Milwaukee struggles as a dog. They're 0-8, their last eight tries, catching points. Any thoughts on the side for game one? And any interest in the series price here uh, with Milwaukee and Brooklyn? Is this one you think is going to go seven, or is this one you think that one of the two teams has an edge? we got about a minute before the break. Got you, got you. I do think that it will go seven. I do lean the Bucks. Like I say, when it does get down to playoff time, I know the Nets have a better offense, and the league is uh, these these days are pretty much surrounded by offense. I still think this is the Bucks' window. I feel like they're I like what they did with PJ Tucker and got Holiday. I do think there are difference makers over there, and I'm taking Holiday, Giannis, and Middleton 
over Kyrie, KD, and um, and Harden. So I know Harden is playing a two regular season, but I, like I say, I would lean on the Bucks defense when it comes to playoff time in the half court. So Jay's talking Bucks live in the series, but they don't disagree with. Uh, you know, I do think that Milwaukee has the potential to upset Brooklyn. I don't know if they will, but they're not drawn dead in this series. <laughs> you know, they're alive going in. Uh, so I wouldn't argue with that. And if you're, I'm talking about what I'm going to do for a full series price, remember, if you're betting the Bucks for the full series and you're not betting them game one, I think you're making a mistake. Cover it. Exactly. <laughs> SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We got extended time right here with Jay Money. At J Money is Money on Twitter. NBA expert and a guy who I always enjoy talking the association with. We were talking Bucks and Nets right before the break. And I want to bring up the, the very last point that I made right before we went to commercial, which is that the game one point spread and the series price are intricately linked. If you like the Nets, to win game one. Doesn't matter if you like them to win the series. If you like the Nets to win game one, you can bet them on the series price now and have a profitable hedge if you want to bet Milwaukee back after they lose game one. Assuming you're right about your opinion on the Nets in game one. Similarly, if you think the Bucks are going to win game one, doesn't matter about your opinion about the series. But if the Bucks win game one, guess what? They're not plus 170, plus 180 anymore. That's a pick em. <laughs> So then you can decide, what do I want to do with it? So your game one bet and your series bet, there is an enormous correlation between the two. I strongly recommend if you bet one, bet the other as well. If you're right, it gives you profitable hedging opportunities after. You can literally lock in a profit. If you catch somebody at game one at a plus price in a series, and then they win that game one, you can sometimes lock in the other team at a plus price in the series and lock it in. Uh, Jay, is that something you like to do? Is that something you advise um, your viewers and listeners to do on your podcast? Well, that is a really good point. I must say I don't bet a whole lot of series price. If I do, I will be looking towards the dog. I'm not really looking. This is something personal, but I'm never looking to lay $2 on anything. Uh, it's just not something that I can make money with long term. You make a really good point there. If you like, I mean, for instance, if you like the Bucks here in this series, but you feel like they may lose game one, then the, the series price will get a whole lot bigger. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't talk anybody out of just um, waiting for it. Wait, like, say, particularly, I like the Bucks in this series. So I do think that game one could be a game where they could possibly drop it. So if I was to bet the Bucks series, I would definitely wait for them to go down 0-1 and then get a lot better price. But, yeah, me personally, I'd be looking at the Bucks in the series at an underdog price. And you make another good point as well. If the Bucks do win game one, <coughs> then obviously you won't get that, that same plus price. They'll actually likely be a favorite, especially with them having home court advantage 
then. So I'm definitely never looking to lay $2. And in this instance, I'd actually be looking towards the Bucks regardless here. But that's a really good point by you, that game one will really switch the um, switch the series prices no matter what happens. And it's not just game one. I mean, it goes on throughout the course of the series. In general, I'm going to make a number of series bets as the series progresses. Anytime I'm betting a side, I'm making a series bet on that side prior to tip-off. And my goal is that after game four, if I got two bets on either side at plus prices, I feel real good about where I'm at. And that's not unusual. That's not unheard of. That's the way you can beat the NBA playoffs. And I can be right about anything. You just got to be right about whether dogs are going to, you know, you have to be right about which team's going to win that game. And that's how you lock in the best of the number. Are there any props or any players you're looking to highlight? You talked about Connaughton starting for uh, Milwaukee in their last game. Is he someone we might make some money with in this series? Or anyone for either of these two teams, Jay, that you got your eye on in terms of player props, uh, whether guys to bet on or guys to bet against? Uh, I love, I wish we had like a, a free throw shooting prop for Brooklyn. You see what the big three did uh, hitting free throws uh, in the series against the Celtics? They shot like 92% combined. <laughs> so uh, that's one uh, area where the Bucks do have a decided disadvantage against the Brooklyn Nets is at the free throw line. Exactly. I, I must say, Teddy, I'm not a huge prop guy. I do like to stay towards like the full game side. But just the way that I'm thinking, I do know that Drew Holiday will be a very important piece here. I know that he's a really good defender. You maybe look towards some Drew Holiday steals props. Um, I, every single game, it seems like he goes out there and gets at least three or four steals. He's one. He's definitely the main active guy defensively for the Bucks over there. So I'd like to look at players like him. I know uh, no, nobody's really looking at steal props, but if you know props, you try to look at, you're trying to look for value. And to be honest with you, with Kevin Durant, um, Kevin Durant, J- James Harden, and Kyrie Irving having such high usage rates, you might try to look towards some under props for the rest of the guys, maybe like Blake Griffin. Or, I mean, like you say, Teddy, you know, game to game, things can switch. You want to see how the Bucks are guarding those guys as well. They could be literally just trying to sell out, try to stop KD, try to stop um, Kyrie or Harden, one of those two. And so really trying to see what their game plan is. It'd be really interesting for me to see, especially with all this time off that the Bucks have had, how they come in and try to game plan defensively against this really high-octane um, Brooklyn offense. But I do think that some of the other guys for the Nets won't get as likely as many touches. Um, I mean, we know Joe Harris threes that's something you want to look at Joe, Joe Harris is literally out there specifically only to shoot threes it's like a Tim Hardaway Jr. for the Mavs just looking at those three props over three pointers made it usually hits um, nine times out of nine so most uh nine times out of ten most player props people that bet those they look it's all about trends and finding value on certain numbers and another thing Teddy I don't like playing paying the high juice on some of these props man they really get up there minus 140 minus 150 to where you have to sell some points or whatever or value so that you can get better plus price. I just I, I really don't like land juice, Teddy, I must say. Sure. Minus one fifty, that's gotta be a sixty percent bet to break even. Um, you know, so uh it's no longer a fifty fifty uh proposition or even a fifty two forty eight proposition. Uh I agree with your assessment about Drew Holiday. In my mind, Drew Holiday is the most important player in this series. If Holiday plays his A game on both ends, Milwaukee's live. If Holiday doesn't, and he gets outclassed by the talent that Brooklyn brings to the equation, it might be a shorter than expected series for Milwaukee. 
Let's talk about the Hawks and the 76ers. And I, man, I don't know what I'm missing here. I understand that Embiid is banged up already, again. But I don't think he's not going to miss extended time, is he? I mean, we haven't. He could might well play in game one. Um, you know, he's questionable with the knee injury, and if it lingers, obviously it's gonna it's gonna be a problem for Philadelphia to win a title. But we're seeing the 76ers two and a half point home favorites for Game One. We're seeing the 76ers for the series minus 180, minus 175. That's a lot of respect for Atlanta or a lot of disrespect for Philly. Which is it, Jay? Is it respect for Atlanta or is it disrespect for Philly? Give me a couple minutes on the Hawks and the Sixers. Well, Teddy, we have to absolutely give the Hawks some respect. Ever since they switched um, the coaching to Nate McMillan, this has been the best team in the NBA, literally, by a lot of uh, – really with the best record in the league ever since they made the change. Their defense has really shown improvement, which we know Nate McMillan is a defensive-style coach. Um, I don't think I do think it's some of it getting respect, but you also have to show shed some light on Embiid's injury. I mean, a small meniscus tear in his knee is not a small injury at all. I've ha- I've actually had that injury. I didn't think I'd ever walk again, and it's just a tough injury, especially with the seven footer who's almost three hundred pounds, putting a lot of weight night in, night out uh, on that knee, which he's already had knee issues before. I do think they should trade cautiously. Cautiously, me personally, I don't think he'll play in game one. The the statement Sixers probably feel like they have a good chance to win this series. Even with even with losing and be for a couple games, I don't me pers- I don't think that we should see them see him pass um, at least before game uh, before game three. He needs some time. It's like, would you rather and be to come back sixty or seventy percent and risk injury and being out next year, or would you rather wait for him to be a hundred percent, even if that means you don't win the championship this year? So sometimes you have to kind of think, look towards the future here. You definitely don't want a torn ACL, MCL, anything like that would be. You will miss the whole next year. I think they should bring them back slowly. I think that's why you see the line kind of creeping down for this game one, and I don't think I think that's why it's not that high for for um, for a reason. And, Teddy, you know that Embiid is one of the leading frontrunners for MVP this year. You take him off the 76ers, and it's not that they're not a good team still, but they're definitely a lot different team, and uh, their main their main hog is out there. So if he's not playing in this series at all, yeah, I can see the Hawks having a puncher's chance in this one. And if he's not playing in game one, I'll be on the Hawks for sure. So I agree with your assessment that if Embiid doesn't play in the series, that Atlanta has a puncher's chance. But this isn't last year or the year before without Joel Embiid. You know, we've seen Philly all year long win games without Joel Embiid, and against playoff teams, on the road against playoff teams, uh, they were doing it. Not once, not twice, like, you know, consistently. And you talk about Tobias Harris, you talk about the one Curry that did make the playoffs this year, and Seth, you know, (laughs) Ben Simmons, Danny Green, uh, Maxie and Hill and Korkmaz, Dwight Howers, Matisse Teibel, Shake Milton, Mike Scott, they are very deep. I think they're better than Atlanta, even if Embiid doesn't play a game in this series. And the fact that Philly has been in the postseason. Again, the teams that are making their first postseason appearance. Yeah, the Hawks got the Knicks in the first round. Good for you. You got a team that (laughs) doesn't shoot straight, uh, overplayed every starter during the regular season, uh, and had no playoff experience. But in my mind, this is a big step up in class for Atlanta, and Atlanta doesn't win road games. Um, Talk to me about that. 
Yeah, I, I'm sorry, Katie. Cork Moss, though, seriously, though, we, are we really mentioning Cork Moss is the depth of the Yeah, I am. The guy drains, yeah, I, drains I'm, trees. I, I'm sorry, Katie. I'm not throwing him in the lineup. I don't need I'm, I'm, not, mention, I'm not mentioning Cork Moss's name on the or the bench depth or the 76. And I, we haven't seen him much in the playoffs. Maybe, maybe matching some young guys. I mean, just think about it. Maxie's taking that guy. Jay, Jay let, me, let, 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 let me cut you real quick. Because uh, we got to go to break here in just a second. I threw it back to you without enough time. But I'll say this. Korkmaz, again, he's not going to be a difference maker. But Korkmaz hit at least one three in four of the five games against Washington. He's someone who can eat up minutes and play well for Philly in a series against Atlanta. More on the other side. Stay tuned. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid or Radio Network. I'm talking with Jay Money at Jay Money is Money on Twitter. And we're debating as to whether we are allowed to say that Furkan Korkmaz has a potential to be an impact player for Philly in this series. Jay, you're mocking me on bringing up Korkmaz. I don't know why. He's just one of those guys. Maybe he's got a fun name to say, Korkmaz, Furkan Korkmaz. But maybe it's because the guy, I mean, he has been a steady perimeter threat for Philly all year. He's part of the bench depth that the Sixers have that allows them potentially to withstand a Joel Embiid injury. Yeah, the only the only thing, I mean, there's no shade to you or anything, or even Korkmaz. Obviously, he's an NBA player. He deserves to, he deserves to be mentioned. But I look at Korkmaz exactly like a Davis, uh, Davis Bertans for the Wizards. He's only out there for threes. And on defense, he will get taken advantage of in the pick and roll. This is the NBA playoffs where matchups matter. If you put Korkmaz out there, he will get cooked almost every single time on the defensive end. Uh, you want to talk about the Hawks, you talk about a deep uh, deep bench. When you have guys like Lou Williams and uh, Danilo Gallinari coming off your bench, you have a pretty strong squad. I mean, even guys like Kevin Huerta coming off the bench, you call me crazy, but I think this Hawks can match up really well with the 76ers. I do think the 76ers will need their best player um, to dominate this series and Joel Embiid because he is a matchup problem, even though I think Capella can bang, but obviously nobody can stop Joel Embiid. Without him and you make the Hawks Focused on everybody else, I do think that's a problem for the 76ers. I know they beat people up in the regular season. This isn't the regular season anymore. This is the playoffs where every every single position matters. And the 76ers also have to show that they can win on the road in the playoffs as well. The Hawks, I must say, they're a really up young and upcoming team. They have a superstar. They play defense. Um, I think this team is, is vastly underrated right now. And I think the Sixers will need their guy if they want to get past the Hawks. Strong opinions from Jay Money. And look, the betting markets agree with you. The betting markets are saying Atlanta is absolutely live in this series. My issue, I guess, is that I, I just think, and I'm re- I've been reading a ton of analysis, and column after column and article after article, people are like, yeah, well, the 76ers, yeah, maybe. It's the, it's the Bucks, Nets winners are winning the title and forget, you know. It seems to be like Philly's an afterthought. 
And I don't look at Philly as an afterthought right now. I look at Philly as a legit contender in the Eastern Conference. Though, let's see, we're going to make fun of the mainstream media. Do you remember when everyone was all over Nate McMillan for playing his bench in Game 2 against the Knicks? They're like, oh, the Knicks played their starters so many minutes. And then what happened? <laughs> the last three games of the series, the Knicks were exhausted. Atlanta's depth carried them to victories. And if you have a Gallinari, a Huerner, a Lou Williams, a Tony Snell coming off the bench, you have depth and you don't need to play your starters 38 minutes a game. Mainstream media. Some of these guys, I swear, Jay, I swear it feels like they really haven't watched a game all year and they come in and watch a half a playoff basketball and they go, oh, this coach is an idiot. Oh, that player's great. It's incredible how uninformed these guys are and, and people still listen to their opinions. Exactly. Yo, you're exactly right. You look. This Hawks team really has some. They really, like I say, in my in my opinion, um, I think Werther is could be a starter in this league. We know that Gallinari has been a starter. Lou Williams. He's just he just feels better coming off the bench. So, but regardless, like I say, this Hawks team not to harp on them too much. But ever since they made the coaching change, they have definitely and the stats don't lie. They've been one of the best teams in the league. And like I say, there's just not really surprising anybody. The Sixers are. I mean, they're one of the best teams in the East over there. I, I, I see it's them, it's the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Nets. Obviously, they're the class of the East. They're, two of those guys will be in the conference finals uh, if no major injury. But like I say, I just think they can. I can't. I think the Hawks can win a couple games in this series. I think they can make them work. Um, I think they can match up well with Harris, Green, and Curry as well. Um, I mean, they have some defensive guys over there as well, Thibuel, Maxi. But like I say, when it gets to the bench, I do think that the Hawks have the better bench, in my opinion. But starting lineup, obviously, the Sixers have the better. Um, the, they have the better starting lineup with the healthy Embiid out there. Yeah, with Embiid, I'm with you 100%. And frankly, when it comes to the NBA postseason, if you're talking about a general philosophy, the healthy teams survive in advance, and the teams that have injuries don't. And if you look at the first round, it shows that pretty clearly. All that said, in terms of a coaching matchup, I got, uh, I think, you know, I, I don't know that I love Doc Rivers, but if I got to pick a coach from Rivers or McMillan, I'm picking Rivers every time. Uh, Nate McMillan's a guy we love in the regular season. In the postseason, his teams have tended to crap out, oh, right about here in the second round. Let's talk Nuggets and Suns. And this one should be a lot of fun. It really should. For a series price standpoint, we've seen a little bit of money come on Denver early. The Nuggets opened as high as plus $2.00. Uh, let's say at the Westgate here in Vegas, and now I'm seeing plus 175, plus 180 on Denver Phoenix. Now in the minus $2 range uh, for the purposes of game one uh, between Denver and Phoenix. As I scroll to, uh, as, I, as I struggle to scroll my screen up uh, right now, of course, uh, when we look at game one uh, of the series, we're talking about uh, Nuggets, the uh, Suns team that's minus four. There are some four and a halfs popping up. Total of let's call it two nineteen and a half. Denver and Phoenix. Let's break down game one. Let's break down the series price. And again, let's talk about any players or player props we're looking to highlight. Or we, that's the royal we, Jay. I hand the mic to you, my friend. Yeah, no, I got you. I got you. So it looks like the line actually opened up five and a half for the Suns. It's always come down to four, four and a half. 
Um, I'll, if you say some, the Nuggets are starting to get some money here. They do have now, we know uh, as good as Doyle and Meade has been for the Sixers, Jokic has been just as good, if not better, getting triple doubles, um, scoring 40-point games, and carrying his team with the loss of Jamal Murray. Obviously, if the Nuggets had Jamal Murray here, you'd see a different series price. I mean, it's not even Murray. They got uh, P.J. Dozier's hurt. Um, who else is – they got – Will Barton is still out as well. So, be interesting. And I know Barton was pretty close to coming back. I do think they will need him in this series. Maybe this is a series where the Nuggets – we know that the uh, Blazers had a ton of guards over there, but the Nuggets had a lot better defense. They're going up, up against a different beast here in the Suns who plays really good team defense. They have a lot of guards. They have a lot of interchangeable parts. So, just be interesting to see how the Nuggets can navigate their uh, their low – guard usage here. We'd be interested if uh, Composo and Rivers can get the job done like they did versus the Blazers. It's all about defense, but the Suns have a pretty good defense and the offense as well. I'm, I'm be, uh, I want to see what's up with Barden here. They do have Monte Morris as well. And props, real quick, Diddy. Man, those Michael Porter Jr., sometimes they have the bad game, but those threes, Michael Porter Jr., he'll, he'll shoot at least nine or ten threes a game, man. The props is usually like over three and a half, over four and a half threes made for Michael Porter Jr., Seems to catch almost every game, Teddy, whenever he doesn't have a bad game. And I, I ran into a great quote from Michael Porter Jr. after game five, which was part of the reason that I bet the uh, uh, Nuggets in game six, uh, which was uh, ended up being the right decision. Although, I'll tell you what, down 14 in the third, I didn't feel great about that wager. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the quote from Porter is like, uh, Coach keeps telling me I've got to do this every night. He had a big game five. He's like, Coach, keep telling me i got to do this every night. I know I can. I will. Uh, and then he did. Uh, once again, I wouldn't argue at all with Michael Porter Jr. Props. Again, that was a guy who was the consensus player of the year coming out of high school. And then he had those issues at Missouri. And he never played a college game. And he ended up sinking in the draft a little bit. He could have easily been the number one overall pick. Ended up dropping yeah. a 10. Um, so it's a guy that has enormous, enormous talent. Now, we were, at least I remember this pretty clearly from last year. Denver, after winning a series, you know, they beat Utah in that tough game, game series. Game one at the Clips, they get blown out. They lost that by 23, and they were never in it. Similar story. The hard series against the Clippers, and they get the Lakers. You know, uh, they win the last three against uh, L.A. Balls to the wall. And then they play that first series against the Lakers. And again, blown out, never in the game. Do we worry about that for Denver in game one? Or is this a Phoenix team that, again, other yep. than Chris Paul, we're not talking about a squad with a whole lot of playoff experience. And it's not like Chris yep. Paul has the greatest playoff track record out there. He's crapped out more times. He's crapped out every time, in fact. Never played uh, in the finals. Only reached the Western Conference Finals once in his entire career, I believe. Uh, so this is where Chris Paul tends to crap out over the years. Um, so... I guess I've asked you like 15 questions. I should probably give you time to answer one of them. Uh, but uh, do you worry about Denver's track record of failures in game one? And do you worry about Chris Paul's track record of failures as playoffs progress? Yeah, you're good, Teddy. You're good. No, I got. I know exactly where I'm going already. Um, like I say, we worry about the Nuggets coming off a tough series, but really, do we? And it was that really tough of a series. They just had to come in here and play better defense. Now, the Suns, if you ask me, and that was exactly where I was going to go, they're coming off a tough series as well, a big win versus the Lakers. Now they're kind of feeling themselves, and I was going to say that too, that they don't really have a whole lot of playoff experience. You have Chris Paul, and then, I mean, not, not even that, offensive punch. 
it's pretty much Cameron Payne off the bench. You got Chris Paul, who's the uh, who's getting the, who's the aggressor, and then Devin Booker needs to go off almost every night. Aiden, he's not really that offensive force here. So, in my opinion, this one's gonna we might see some good unders in this one. We've got uh, two good defense going up against each other, and really good um, necessarily kind of methodical offenses that may not be too hard to figure out here. So, I think we may see some really good defensive games. Like I say, the Suns, I kind of worry about them in game one as well because they're coming off a huge series win. We know putting out the Lakers and play some really good games. I'm pretty sure Jay Crowder and Chris Paul and Devin Booker are kind of feeling themselves even just a little bit here, even though this the game one will be at the house. I do think they are the better team. Obviously, at some point, Murray will not having Murray will show up for the Nuggets and just some of the other guards as well. So I must say this game one is going to be tough, but I would be a little hesitant to lay the four, four and a half with the Suns because they're coming off maybe an even bigger series and the Nuggets actually have more playoff experience. Yeah, and I've got feet for what it's worth. I've got the Suns as a quote-unquote under team uh, here in the postseason. Uh, so I'm with you 100% on that look. Nuggets, Suns, game one under is one that makes a whole lot of sense to this better. In fact, I'm going to talk about that again in just a few minutes. Jay, we're almost out of time, my friend. I want to give you a chance to promote, tell people where they can find you. Talk about your website, talk about your podcast, talk about your Twitter feed, my friend. My guy, yeah, man, I appreciate you, Teddy. I'm, at, I'm on Twitter. You guys can find me at jmoneyismoney on Twitter. I post all type of things, all NBA. Um, I also do NBA shows on YouTube as well at NBA, uh, at NBA Talk with Jay. Pretty much every single day, guys, follow me on Twitter, follow me on YouTube, all that. We're talking NBA pretty much every day. Um, I love to do this with my guy, Teddy. We're working with some other guys as well. I always like to talk NBA, and be, we'll be doing some NFL as well, my guys. But definitely follow me on Twitter. That's where it all uh, starts at. Whatever I'm on, I always post it to Twitter. At jmoneyismoney on Twitter. All right, Jay, I'm putting you on the spot. you got 30 seconds. Who's playing in the finals, and who's going to win? Ah, oh, man, I want to say I want to say Bucks versus Jazz. And I, I'd like to see Giannis win his first championship. Uh, it's somewhat of an opinion, but I, I really do think that that's very possible. I think that the Jazz will make it as well, but I think they will come up just short. And Giannis' uh, window for winning in Milwaukee is closing. I think they may get it this year. For what it's worth, based on my power numbers right now, my three best teams in the NBA, based on my numbers, are all in the Eastern Conference. For what it's worth, I'm not convinced this is going to be another year where the West wins the title like they have so often over the course of the last decade. Jay, thank you so much for joining me today. We'll have you back again in the not-too-distant future. We'll be right back. Cover it with Teddy Covers continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. When the hell? stretch of hour number one here on Cover It with Teddy Covers. You better stay tuned. Hour number two is going to be every bit as good, if not better, as the first hour. Bringing in Dave Coking to talk MLB. And we're really going to break down baseball. Plus, I'm going to talk a little NFL because you know I have to talk NFL on every single show. Why? 
because NFL is king and everybody bets the NFL. Only some people bet the NBA and MLB, but at least here in Vegas, literally, literally everybody bets the NFL. The school teachers bet it. The cops bet the NFL. The firemen bet the NFL. The mayor bets the NFL. So you got to talk NFL on every show. All that being said, I want to give you guys a play. And the play I'm going to talk about, unfortunately, doesn't go until Monday, being that it's the NBA playoffs. But what are you going to do? And yes, it's something that me, Jay, and I were just talking about. That's Denver and Phoenix game one under the total. Now, in the regular season, these teams played three times. One of them, 106-103, stayed under. 221 was the line in that game. And they played a 130-126 to shootout. And then they had another one that was 126-1. to No, sorry. I'm looking at the wrong final score there. Another one that was equal, 120-112. to um, So... All those games were played in January. I could care less. <laughs> Let's start with that. Number two is that two of those three games went to overtime. And if game one goes to overtime, it's not going to be good for our unders. But there would have, uh, two of the three, there was one under, there was one that would have stayed way under in regulation, uh, and then the one that was the higher scoring game, a game in which basically we saw a ridiculous first half. Phoenix at 68 at the break. Um, they're not getting a 68 at this break. <laughs> and, of course, both teams, I think, shot better than 50% from the floor in that contest. That flew way over the total. Game one, I expect some feeling out. I expect a slower pace. And these Nuggets slow starts in the postseason, they're real. Look for game one. Stay under Denver and Phoenix, 219 and a half. The current widely available number. Hour two of Cover It comes up after this brief commercial message. We'll be right back. 